What's going on, everybody? How you doing? Micah Pellerin, nickname Musu. Welcome to the Something Like the Offseason podcast. I can't wait to share. I, I, I'm serious. This is honestly one of my favorite episodes so far. None other than my former teammate with Indy when I got a cup of water, Vic Ballard. Vic Ballard, you've probably heard the name before, started in the NFL as a rookie, led the SEC in touchdowns as a junior in Mississippi State. An amazing story an amazing story. We talk about how he went from SEC leader of Russian touchdowns, right, to engineer at Lockheed Martin. You heard that correct. You heard that correct. We're talking about range here. Vic's story is a true testament to perseverance, how he navigated a couple of injuries and ultimately season-ending, career-ending injuries, moreover, to propel him into academia, getting his, not only his undergraduate, but pursue his master's and not only engineering, but also an MBA. Uh, we're speaking to, to Vic. I think I, I came away with how amazing it is for someone to really chart their own path. I know people say that all the time, but when you hear the story, you you really recognize that this brother had a lot of options, and he probably decided to do something that no one would have expected. A simply amazing individual. That's the only way I can. I don't want to bury the lead. You guys have to hear this one. Um, you know what to do. Like, follow, subscribe. In the show notes, you can find how to continue to follow something like the All-Season Podcast. Really excited for you all to hear this one. Have a good day. God bless. All right, here we go. First question. What was the moment in high school you knew you were destined for college? The moment in college you knew you were destined for the L? I, I, I would say that I never really knew that I was destined for the next level uh, whenever I was in high school or college because um, I, I was just out there having fun. And uh, there were moments when I would say that let me know that I had the opportunity to go to the next level. For example, uh, uh, in high school, I, I w really wasn't a starter. so. Uh, until my senior year, so I, the thought of going to the next level never crossed my mind until uh, college recruiters started reaching out to me, and um, actually got the opportunity to to earn a scholarship from the University of Houston. But uh, that situation didn't work out because that year Art Browse had got fired, and Kevin Sumlin's staff mm. came in and, and didn't honor my my scholarship. So that left me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, kind of in no man's land. And right. uh, that following January. Uh, so this back in the day when they did signing signing day in February, that January I got an official visit to the University of Arkansas, and but right. they never gave me a scholarship. So signing day, I ended up signing with my junior college, and later on that day, Jackson State gave me a call and said that it had me a full scholarship. But you know, at that time, uh, at that point, I'm like, man, I want to go somewhere like Arkansas. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I decided to go JUCO, and ultimately ended up at Mississippi State. And once I got to Mississippi State. Um, I never thought about going to the next level until a woman asked me, you know, was I thinking about declaring for the draft after my junior season? <laughs> and, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm actually good enough to go to the NFL. And, you know, she's the one that kind of plant, planted the seed in my brain. And, uh, you know, I never stopped thinking about it. Oh, I didn't stop thinking about it uh, until, you know, that I got that phone call on draft day. So um, I was never I, I never really had my eyes on the next level until somebody else brought us to my attention, to be honest. All right, but you led the SEC in touchdowns and you weren't thinking you were 100% going to the league. 
Yeah, because uh, as I mentioned uh, back in high school, I, I was I was pretty decent, but I I, uh, I was what they call a late bloomer. So I was one of the top yeah. 37 players in the state. And despite mm-hmm. that, you know, making all state, making all conference, uh, all region right. rather, uh, I, I still wasn't, nobody was knocking on my door like that. So mm-hmm. even in, in JUCO, I didn't, I didn't mention JUCO. So in junior college, I was like the number one running back in the country. Like, <laughs> bro, like I, I had a thousand yards within like the first five or six games. <laughs> bro, I, I ended up ending the season with like seventeen hundred yards and like twenty two touchdowns. So that's a twelve. That's game crazy. Season. That's a twelve game season. Yeah, like I. I had multiple games over 200, like like four like four games over 200 yards a game, uh, killing it, bro, and didn't have scholarships like that. I had guys on my team that had, had all kinds of scholarships, Alabama, Ole Miss. We had Jimbo Fisher come to our come to our uh, facility to to see one of my uh, teammates, and uh, like I said, despite all of these high profile uh, schools and recruiters coming through. I never really got the opportunity to, uh, you know, I, I didn't earn a lot of scholarships or a lot of notoriety. I had one scholarship from University of Detroit pretty much the whole time. And I, I by chance happening, I met a coach, an offensive coordinator at my high school. That's how I mm-hmm. started talking to Mississippi State because he was there recruiting another guy named San Quez Ghostin that ultimately ended up signing with Ole Miss. But while, you know, while all of us were there, my head coach introduced me, into, you know, introduced me to the offensive coordinator. And that's how they started recruiting me. And they came and saw me play, you know, probably like two weeks later, and they gave me a scholarship. And I ain't wait, I ain't waste no time. I went, on, I went ahead and committed. <laughs> I went ahead and committed because I was thinking about <clears throat> what happened to me in high school. I'm like, look, they took that scholarship away from me one time. I ain't gonna let them do it again. <laughs> okay, so you could you committed before you had the meeting with the coach. You committed, you committed when you landed. Man, like I said, they came and saw me play. And oh, are you saying like before official visit? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I said, they, they yeah, they they offered me, they offered me, and I told my dad. My dad was like, "What you think?" I was like, "I'm about to go ahead and pull the trigger." That next day, I, I called him back. I said, "Look, I'm on board, coach." <laughs> Look, and they they wasn't even good. I just felt like it was a it was a good situation that season. Right. I think that season they had they finished like five and seven, but I was looking mm-hmm. at. They got a running back vacancy because their uh, star running back was, you know, leaving for the NFL that year. I was like, "Oh, this is perfect." Mm-hmm. You know, I got I'm going into an open spot. It all everything worked out, man. That's funny. Okay, next question number two: Who was your biggest competition that you played against that you were like, "Man, this brother is elite." I, th- I think, in my eyes, he was elite. This was when I was in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So it was a guy. It goes by the name Brandon Spice. You probably heard of him. Yeah. Um, played for the Patriots and the Bills, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I was watching him on film all week and just saw how he was killing the guards. Like, yeah. they would send him and he would crush these guards, you know? Yeah. I'm thinking to myself, if they send him and I got to block him, like, <laughs> what is he going to do to me? <laughs> so, and, and, and typically, I want to say he played Mike. I want to yep. say he played, he played Mike. Mike. But – they 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 figured out our scheme and they started putting him at will because they 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 saw that in our get him uh, in our blocking scheme no in our blocking scheme a lot of times the running back had the wheel linebacker so they will and they knew it was a mismatch you know in terms of blocking I, I couldn't do anything with him bro so they just kept they <laughs> they started sending him almost every passing play and I couldn't do nothing with him I, I tried my best I don't think I didn't give up a sack but I was out there on the rope man it's, you know he he had me. He, he definitely pushed me to my limits, but uh, I mean, Olsen, we still got our tail kick that game, but uh, mm-hmm. 
he definitely gave me a rough my money. Brandon Sykes. Okay, okay, okay. Question number three. Who's a player that you played with or played against that you felt like, man, just for whatever reason, never got never got his shine, never got the opportunity to fully, you know, express his talent? I would go with a guy named Jericho Nelson from uh mm-hmm. from Destrahan. Mm-hmm. Played at Destrahan. Um actually me and him uh was on the same recruiting trip team, University of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, it was at the time it was recruiting him as a running back. And, uh, I, I want to say he already, he already had a scholarship in, in, in the moment. So, uh, but ultimately he got moved to uh safety, like a safety linebacker type position. So, but when, when, whenever we played him, eventually, uh, when I got to Mississippi state, he was all over the field, man. Um, mm-hmm. that was, a, that was an instance where I had an opportunity to win us, the, win us the game. It was even first or second overtime. I can't remember against Arkansas. This back in the day when, mm-hmm. You know, Arkansas was that deal. Like, you know, in Alabama, mm-hmm. like when SEC West was running, <laughs> running all the college football. So, mm-hmm. you know, we had him uh, on the ropes and I was going in for a touchdown and it was a stumbling touchdown. I had broke a tackle and I was going to dive, you know, to, you know, try to win the game. And he came out of nowhere and smacked me, bro. Smacked me, <laughs> knocked the ball out uh, through the back of the end zone, ended up being a touchback. You know, we lose the ball. Man. So instead of getting points, we could have kicked the field goal. But instead, we had to turn the, turn the ball over, and uh, ultimately, we ended up losing the game. But um, he he was a, a really active player, hundred percent effort every play, and we saw it on film earlier that week yeah. too. But um, I think he actually got a, a like a rookie minicamp invite to the Saints or something like that. But nothing. Ever oh, came. he didn't get drafted. No, nah, he didn't get drafted, bro. Nah, that's crazy. Nah, I never I never heard from him after that. Matter of fact, we like Facebook friends or something. I you know I know yeah. he didn't get drafted for uh, for sure. Oh man! Okay. Wow. Okay, man. Shout out to Jack and Destrahan's finest for sure. Um, Number seven. <laughs> a lot of great defensive players out of that. Air Reed, Jericho Nelson. Um, all right. Number four. What's the nicest thing a coach has ever done for you? I wouldn't say nice, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> definitely uh, taught me a lesson that I, you know, I carry with me to this day. And this coach was a great motivator. You know, uh, one of those no nonsense type coaches, also. But, you know, in the moment, you really didn't understand why he was doing the things that he was doing. But ultimately, right. you, you know, you might even you might not even understood it while you was part of that team. But later on in life, you understood, you know, what those lessons meant. But I have a my junior college coach. Uh, his name is Steve Campbell. Uh, I feel like he taught me some of the some of the most uh, some of the best lessons that I ever learned in life. And um, one of the lessons that stick out to me, or he was always an, a no excuse uh, type of coach. And there was a situation mm-hmm. where he was testing me to. Uh, see what I make excuses, you know, for my situation, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't. It was it sucked, and I, you know, I was mad. I'm not gonna lie, I was mad that he was doing it to me. But um, you know, just the type of person I am, you know, I, I just said whatever, and, and uh, you know, I had I had a task to complete, knocked it out, and eventually he later, you know, announced it to the team that you know, essentially he tested me and I passed the test, and basically, you know, was saying, you know, uh, you know, in life, everybody has an excuse. So what are excuses worth? Nothing. So you know you still you still got something. You still gotta you still gotta complete that job. So um, yeah. that's how I live my life today. Everybody got excuses, man. So, but I, like I said, I, I do want to recognize the fact that there are some situations where you know it's just not a viable solution. You know anything, but mm-hmm. a, a lot of a lot of situations are uh, manageable. And if it is manageable, you need to do whatever in your power to make sure you complete it. Got it, man. That's good, man. That's good. That's good. That's good. All right. You get done playing ball, right? 
and you know you, you rounded out the Saints. But you were a rookie starting playing. You know, I, I got a cup of coffee when I was in Indy. I was there, was able to squeak out some more some more years. But you were as a freshman, you were playing, and you know you had you know the everybody knows the play, big highlight plays and stuff like this. It looked like you know out the gate that you know you might be you know you might be one of the next. I remember you and Alfred Morris. At the time, I was like, man, these brothers, man, they're probably going, you know, they might have crazy careers, right? Just what you all were doing. Talk to me about your NFL experience first, because I know it's different for people such as myself who kind of like, you know, up, down, practice squad, active practice squad for four years versus someone who was, you came out the gate playing. Talk to me about your experience playing. And I actually didn't want to come out the gate. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to go to a team that had an established running back so I can sit and learn, you know, uh, my ideal situation back then, I was thinking uh, before I got drafted, I wanted to go to the Texans because I used to love how Arian Foster ran. And it's like, man, if I had the opportunity to just like be his backup and learn, you know, until I felt like I was ready. But, uh, you know, Indy call and I was super, you know, super fortunate to get the call. You know, I don't want to uh, glance over that, but I want to say like week four or something like that. Uh, actually, it's funny how, how, it all, how I became a starter because going into camp, I was like, fifth string or something like that because I wasn't a hot draft pick so it's like I'm not I'm thinking I'm, I'm about to be on some same stuff like you like you said a cup of coffee but um eventually made the team uh but still only a special teams player because we had uh I would say two two or three guys in front of me I wasn't even taking reps at practice I was just doing scout team and um one day BA Bruce Arians uh he, he stopped me in the hallway he asked me, was I learning the playbook? Because I was terrible. I was messing up left and right. <laughs> I did it. You know, it was a little, they put a little bit more on your plate when you make it to the league. But uh, I was like, yeah, I'm learning. He was like, good, you need to learn it because I want to I want to play you a little more. So that week we was playing uh, Green Bay. And um, Donald Brown, who was the start of the time, had ended up right. tearing his meniscus. UConn. Yeah, yeah. He tore his meniscus. So that thrusted me into the starting position, just like like almost overnight. And B.A. made a joke. He was like, look, I said I wanted to play you more, but I wasn't talking this fast. <laughs> so um, I want to say the first game I started was um, the Jets. And it was after a bye week. And we got, you know, I, I didn't, I, it was a terrible game. Part of me was nervous, but also I didn't, I didn't really get to run the ball because we was playing from behind most of the game. But the following game, we played the Browns, I want to say. And I had a pretty good out. And, uh, you know, as as the season progressed, I just got more comfortable and comfortable and, and uh, learned the playbook <laughs> and uh, was eventually was able to start making some making some plays. But that year it was great. You know, it was I, I couldn't have I, I get you can always, you know, wish for a better season. But if if I could go back, I wouldn't change the thing. Um, but the following year is uh, <laughs> it was like I went from a high and it's like, man, I tell my ACL second week of the season. I come back, I tell my Achilles. Uh, you know, just got struck with the injury bug, man. And uh, ultimately, that's what left lets me uh, uh, having to leave the game. Yeah, but so for someone like you, you know, you finish out in New Orleans after having the kind of the track that you were on, did you ever think, like, man, hold on, if I just took a year to get my body right, I can return to that form and come back? Talk to me about where your mind was when you were – you were trying to transition or thinking about transitioning that last year. Yeah, so my um, I thought my ACL. Well, I would say this: my ACL was a tough injury. Came back, but I was but I was uh, I was having some Achilles issues, like real bad tendonitis. Um, uh, when I tore my Achilles, I was like, okay, this is the opportunity for my it'll get my knee another year to get right. 
but I could also address those Achilles issues I was having before. So I'm rehab. I'm talking. I'm going hard, man. Like I'm. I'm like, okay, this is year two of our. It's like I got you know from a business perspective. Also, I know they got to make decisions. So I'm like, I, I got to come out the gate swinging, right? So I was just happy they even kept me and was giving me an opportunity. So I was like, I, I got to go hard. I'm talking about man. I put it. I put it. I put it into overdrive, and I'm gonna come back to that because like that period in my life is it, it. I showed myself a whole different person. Like I, I showed myself how dedicated I can be to something. And um, so uh, ultimately, though, my body didn't my body wasn't responding the way I wanted it to. And I, I never got the strength back in my calf muscles. So, you know, if you don't have your strength, you know, you don't, you don't have your game. So, uh, like I said, ultimately, even when I was in New Orleans, I signed with New Orleans, but I still wasn't there where I needed to be. And even to this day, you know, my, my strength hasn't came back fully. So uh, <laughs> I could have took 10 years off and I still wouldn't have been ready. So, <laughs> so it ultimately, it didn't even matter, man. So talk to me real quick about, we're going to touch on that rehab process a little bit later, but you started to transition. And just to jump ahead in the story, you end up an engineer at Lockheed Martin. But talk to me about where that where that came from. Why not get into coaching? Why not get into scouting? Why not, you know, take three years off to just run around and, and think about life? Where What were you processing? Where, 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 were, you, where were you being pulled? Yeah, so uh, coming out, kind of coming out of uh, high school, you know, that's when you start thinking about at least me. Like I said, I wasn't thinking about NFL. I'm thinking about what I want to do in my life, and I always found myself gravitating toward you know mechanical things. It's like you know something that challenged my mind, but that I'm working with my hands. You know, and I and but I guess for me, the the natural progression would have been some type of engineer. So I was like, oh, I want to be a mechanical engineer. So. Um, when I was in junior college, I was actually taking the prerequisites, you know, the math and sciences and things like that to become an engineer. But when I got to Mississippi State, that was like, nah, bro, like, <laughs> we're not doing that over here. <laughs> it's like, bro, you're an athlete. You are an athlete. Like, we not, nah, that's cool you want to be an engineer, but you're going to go take these business classes, uh, you know, just teaching and coaching, something like that. Kinesiology. No no disrespect to those uh, majors, but, you know, ultimately I chose business and, uh so whenever I got hurt, you know, I'm having a whole lot of time to think about life and life after football. And, um, you know, that was my that was my reality, you know, potentially because I, I understood where my body was. And that reality of uh, football not working out was uh, becoming more and more clear every day. So um, I said I said in my mind, OK, like once this thing is all over, I'm going back to school to do something that I always wanted to do. So I stopped playing in uh, 2016. So. It was like I told myself if nobody called me, if no one calls in September, by September I'm done. So, you know, when that time came, I was like, okay, I'm done. And I started putting, you know, putting plays together, you know, to make sure that I was in school that following fall for engineering. Wow. And the thing that I think people need to know is you didn't get like a certificate. Like you you went and got your master's, man. No, no. So actually, no, I went back. Uh, it's even crazy, I think. Even crazier than getting my master's. I went back for a second bachelor's, bro. So I had to start over from the beginning. Like I had to start from like taking prereqs. Like I'm in I'm in class with 18, 19 year old for real. Like so I'm like I'm I went back at 27. I'm in class with a teenager, and I'm like, man, what? Like how how what am I doing? Like, bro, think about this. When I was in Indy, to my left I had Andrew Luck. To my right it was Reggie Wayne. So it's like. These are the people I'm interacting with on a daily. And then I leave from that 
and go go to a, a college classroom taking freshman freshman level classes. You know, it, it messed with me, but I understood that we was all there for the same thing. So I kind of had to block all that out. And uh, ultimately, another thing I was thinking, too, it's like, man, you know, I'm 27. I was like, I, I probably won't be done until I'm like 31 or 32. I'm like, dang, that's a minute. I had I had to stop thinking about that, too, because I was like, look, this is what you want to do with your life. Like, this, that's the route you got to take. Because I couldn't go from business to mechanical engineering masters, you know, because that's a STEM, that's a STEM masters in a, a arts undergrad. So I was like, if I want to be an engineer, this is the route I got to take. So I, I sucked it up, man. And eventually I turned 32 and I graduated. <laughs> man, I remember, I think we connected on Facebook and you were like, yeah, I'm doing it again. And I, I kind of thought. I'm going to say disrespectfully. I'm like, yo, this guy was a guy in the league. You know what I mean? Like, you had a moment where it was like, yo, big bat. Like, oh, yeah, he's a guy. The level of humility to kind of get back and literally do undergrad again. Undergrad. It was crazy. And I was, I, I didn't, I started at, I had to take some get up to speed classes. So I'm, I'm like, bro, calc, like engineers. Like it's calculus and physics. I had never taken physics in my life, never took calculus in my life. I had to take pre-calculus and trigonometry and things like that to, you know, to get to get the steam rolling again, you know, to get some momentum. And uh, eventually when I got through those, I would say that first that first year, you know, me going back was all get up to speed. And I needed it. You know, I needed it because I had been I, you know, I had been out of school for a little minute at that point. But same. I already know you mentioned earlier your rehab taught you more about yourself than you ever knew. I mean, everyone knows to get to the NFL, it takes a certain level of commitment and discipline. What extra did you see in yourself in that rehab process that you think probably helped you, you know, go back and get that 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 undergrad degree before getting your master's again? What what do you think you were seeing in that rehab process? So, um, like I said, I, I've always been a hard worker. I looked at myself as a hard worker and been recognized as a hard worker. Whenever the reality was sitting in that, okay, this thing, this this dream. This opportunity I have is slipping away. I went, I went from level two to level ten, and like it felt like overnight. Cause, I, bro, I never, I had never been so committed to anything in my life. I got to the point where I hated weekends. I used to take naps to try to make the days go by faster so I can go to rehab the next day. It's like I didn't want any type of downtime. I, it was all work, all grind. It's like I, I just wanted to stack those good days up. Cause I was like, I, like. And then, you know, how reporters and people like that, you know, different stories come out and they talk about you like, oh, why, why they still have, I was out to, to shame all of them. I couldn't wait. It's like, I wanted to, I wanted to stick it to all of them, bro. All of those things combined. Like I said, I, I took my grind to a whole new level. And, um, but ultimately, and this, this was a life lesson too. It, di it didn't work out. And I saw that, I guess what I learned from that was, you know, just because you give something your all, it they don't mean it's going to work out. Uh, it was it was a tough pill to swallow, but in the same breath, I was like, man, okay, that that didn't work out. Maybe that wasn't for me. But there are other things in life that are for me, and if I give those things the amount of attention and uh, hard work that I gave this last thing, there's no telling why I might end up in life. So that, like I said, that gave me the motivation to go back to school for engineering because I was like, okay, in my last occupation, I just ran out of time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My body wasn't my body wasn't working right. I ran out of time. But with something like uh, engineering is like, I ain't got no kids. I got all the time in the world. You know, I got a little money saved up. <laughs> uh, my, my well being straight. It's all about how bad do I want it? So like I said, I took that mindset and, uh, 
Start crushing some engineering classes, man. <laughs> so you finish, you go back, you do the whole thing at UCL. You did it four years. You like you really did the whole thing again. Why? Why the masters? Why not just say, you know what? All right, I proved it to myself. Four years is a long time. Why the Why the masters? I mean, I feel like you can probably get some type of uh, understanding of who I am as a person. Like I'm an ambitious person, so. I never had any thoughts past mechanical engineering, but once I reached that summit, you know, the inevitable question came of what's next. <laughs> so <laughs> I got an email in my, uh, at work talking about this dual master's program at university of Florida and with the NFL PA or the trust rather, they give out scholarships, you know, to go back. So I was like, I got time. I got somebody willing to give me money. Why not? <laughs> so, so boom, I less than, you know, less than a year later, I'm back in the classroom again, get my master's in uh, engineering. And uh, ultimately, so like I said, like I mentioned, it's a dual master's program. So the second the second part of that program is an MBA. So I'll be done with um, the engineering in 2025. And like 12 months later, you know, I'll have an MBA. So, so yeah, that's my, uh, that's my any, goal right now. Any thoughts? Do you ever sit back and say like, man, you know, what if I just stayed? Like, how often does that run across your mind for me it was kind of clear right like it was like i could think about all the what ifs if you want it was like yo i never really had enough moments to say like hey i i know for a fact that i missed out on blah 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 blah, blah. you know what i mean you on the other hand you know like not to bring it up again so much but you were kind of on that on, the, on, the, on that trajectory how often did you think about going back to doing something you already knew in football while you were pursuing the engineering I guess for me, that's kind of a loaded question because, like I said, I already had interest in being an engineer, but also I felt like becoming a coach, becoming a personal trainer, that's what they expect you to do anyway. You know, I did. part of me didn't want to play into that stereotype. Part of me wanted to say, look, okay, that's that's like football is what I did, but it's not who I am. It's more to me as a person. Now I want to show that, okay, I'm gifted athletically, but I'm also gifted intellectually. You know, mm. so I, it's like I didn't want to get put in a box. And I, I thought about that a lot because I could have, you know, when you, once you make it to the NFL, you make a lot of connections in the football world. So it's without a doubt, I could have I could have landed a coaching job somewhere easily. Easy. But, um, like I said, uh, it was it was a lot of different things that went into me saying, no, I'm not I'm not going to go the route that a lot of people want me to go anyway and that they expect me to go because of, of what they think I am or who I am. I'm going to go without uh, in a direction I feel like it's more natural to me. Like I said, that was the engineering route. So you're at Lockheed right now. Help us understand, for those who don't know, what does it what does it mean to be, and it means a lot of different things, but more specifically to your role, what does it mean to be an engineer at Lockheed? What are you, what are you doing? What are you looking at? What are, what's going on there? So Lockheed Martin is uh, probably one of the biggest defense uh, contractors in the world, honestly. Period. Um, yeah. We supply you know, different things to our military and different allied militaries across the world. Um, it's a publicly traded company. So it's a, a pretty, uh, it's a company of pretty substantial size. And to get an opportunity for, well, I would say that in the engineering world for, uh, you know, for college kids uh, aspiring to be engineers, the companies like Lockheed, SpaceX, Northrop Grumman, like those type of any job where you have to have a security clearance, <laughs> like <laughs> those are the jobs that, you know, a lot of people shoot for. So for me, fortunately, uh, somebody, well, I guess my manager thought uh, well enough for me to give me an opportunity to work for Lockheed. And it's been cool, man. I, I, I work with a lot of cool stuff. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I got a, 
uh, secret clearance. So, yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. So for someone who's thinking about engineering, you mentioned calculus and stuff like that. What do you think is the hardest part about being an engineer in school? And, and like, what was the what was there a class? Was there was there a phase in your academic journey? Um, you're still you're still going through it right now. But was there was there a class where you were like, man, this might be it for me? You know, <laughs> honestly, bro, you, you know how they say they have, you have weed out classes for mm. different majors. I felt like at every step of the way, they said, oh, this is a weed out class. Oh, this is a weed out class. <laughs> I'm like, man, are, are all these classes weed out classes? And they are, bro. Like, it's there are no, it's no easy classes, you know, per se in engineering. It's like you you get, you get just kind of get used to the it level is, of difficulty. You, yeah. you get used to the type of effort you got to put in in order to be successful, man. It's it's uh it's pretty tough. It's it's straight problem solving. It's it, it's nothing. It's all numbers, like all numbers and problem solving. It's like nothing but word problems. Honestly, I remember toward the end, toward the end of my um you know when I was a senior, while well, getting ready to to put my schedule together my senior year, I was looking for classes where I didn't have to do math. It's like I I, <laughs> I I hate English. I hate English. Uh, but I was like, man, let me write a paper. Like I just want to write. Like, <laughs> like I'm tired of doing math problems. Everything was math. Um, and, you know, the thing I want to touch on here is when I think of engineers, you know, I used to work at 3M. So I think of, I think about, you know, like, all right, Lean Six, Six Sigma, like Black Belt training, you know, Kaizen, all these types of, all these types of things. When you started, I always say football does a great job of anchoring us in like a system or format, right? Like if you ask either one of us, what does a practice look like? We can run through the practice already. You know, everything but the script itself. And if you told us enough what the situation was, we might go write the script. How did you create your process academically to kind of take it on? Because if you're kind of just studying when you feel like it most, or if you're just studying hard without a plan, you're not going to be successful, right? You're not going to be able to get, you know, get the, get the degree, undergrad, and, and pursue it in, in a business school setting. How did you develop that? I see you smiling. Yeah, it's it's. I say that, well, I'm smiling because uh, what I learned about myself, I feel like everybody has their own style of learning. But for me personally, I only go to class to listen. I don't write notes. I just listen because I found that if I'm trying to listen and write notes at the same time, I miss. I miss. So mm -hmm. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to listen in class. Right. And because uh, a lot of times I, I retain information for a while. And I would listen in class and I'll go do my homework and that would reinforce the information that I learned in class. That's how I would learn. And I would take notes whenever I would do my homework. So that's that's what helped me. I, like I said, I learned for me, that was the best way for me to get through class. And I remember I had met a, a you know, a, a good buddy of mine. And this before we became friends, we took the same class. And uh, <laughs> so in engineering, or at least at UCF, there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, black engineering students, uh, black males anyway. So. It was me and him were the only two in like a 200 person class, you know, one of those auditorium type <laughs> classes. And That's in Florida. Yeah. And he used, wow. to, he used to look at me and say, man, look at this. Look at this guy, man. Like <laughs> ma making us look bad. Like, because cause I, I would come in without a book bag, no pencil, no nothing. You know what I'm saying? I'm just there. But yeah. he didn't understand, like, okay, this is how I learn, you know. And, but when right. we, whenever we would meet up for study groups, I would be the one leading the study group. <laughs> so mm. they just, you know, I, but I had to tell them like, oh, you know, this, this is just my process. You know, it's funny. I think about, you know, like with ball and you, and you and I know this. It's like, man, look, you can write all the notes you want. 
when you're doing the install until you get out there until you you can't feel it like you can you can think you know but you know hey which side adjust them when, when they move over when the formation changes if they move they switch the formation to boundary whatever whatever all the different components until you get out there and test it so in the same way for you it feels like you're digesting information you know it conceptually but until you do the homework that's what really cements it and re reinforces it is that is that the right way to think about that's it? the perfect way to explain it because uh that, there's layers to it because like i said i learn it and i think i might understand it when i'm learning it and then when i go do my homework i start to get a feel for it and i was like oh it's actually not what i was thinking in class it's more like this but then right. you got you got another layer of how it actually works in the real world mm. <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it's it's, it's right. a lot of layers to it and the only reason i bring that up is because it's, it's, it kind of worked out perfectly that I'm like a car guy. I like working on cars and things like that. So I was taking classes on the things that I was doing on my car. You know what mm. I'm saying? So I would I would be able to learn some theory in class and then go see how it's applied on my car. Got it. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, Vic, I got to put you, I got to put you in this situation. Now, you know, you got to talk to, you got to talk to the people by sharing your story. If you, if there was one thing that, not necessarily the most important thing or the best thing, but there's one thing that comes top of mind when I say, what didn't you know coming out of college that you think best prepared you for life now, transitioning, getting to the NFL? If there's one thing you didn't know that you wish you knew, what would that be? Uh, every, everything is a time investment. So mm. whatever, you, whatever you do today, that's what your tomorrow is going to look like. So if you are, I don't know, sitting on the couch watching – a Netflix series every day, you know, tomorrow you're probably going to be sitting on the couch. Your life is going to look the exact same as it did yesterday. And like all, all of your conversation is going to be you know, centered around a new Netflix show and not knocking that. Not, I mean, obviously Netflix is a thing for, for a reason, but if you are, per, if you're a person that say you want a different life, you know, you don't like how your life looks currently. Can't be sitting on the couch watching Netflix all day. You know, you gotta, <laughs> like I said, Whatever you want your life to look like tomorrow, that's what you need to do today. I love it. I love it. I love it. Man, Vic, I really appreciate you uh, joining, man. I know you have a lot going on, but I know some folks might want to reach out to you. What's the best way for people to reach out to you, man? No LinkedIn. You can just type in my name or uh, Instagram. Uh, it's my name also, Vic Ballard. Not really on that a whole lot. I got Twitter, too, <laughs> which is Vic Ballard. I'm not really on social media a whole lot, but uh, yeah. I, I do still have them. So um, I'll check them, uh, you know, periodically. But yeah, that's definitely the easiest way. No doubt, Vic Ballard, man. You, I know you're probably mad at me, man. I've been taking notes this whole time, but that's just that's just my learning style. (laughs) I I appreciate you joining the pod, man. We got to get you once you once you graduate. We might have to. We not might have to. We're gonna need to do a a follow up, man. So I appreciate you, brother. Have a good day. Uh, I'll check in with you soon, man. Thank you so much for joining the pod. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you having me.